on the heels of our interview with author Jack L. High, who teaches physicians creative writing as an outlet. On today's podcast, we have pediatrician, speaker, and sci-fi writer, Dr. Teresa Fuller. Dr. Fuller received both her MD and PhD at Howard University and has been a practicing pediatrician in the Maryland area for more than 20 years. In addition to full-time pediatric practice, Dr. Fuller has been a contributing health writer for the Baltimore Times and Demand Media. She's the author of Change One Thing, A Doctor's Guide to Permanent Weight Loss, Disease Prevention, and a Lifetime of Incredible Health. Now, that's not her science fiction book. We're going to be talking about that in a second. She also writes medical thrillers that teeter on the edge of science and science fiction. She wrote her first novel, Time of Death, The Next Pandemic, way before this pandemic, and she explains why. You'll hear the story of how she came up with the idea, shopped it around, had it rejected, and finally published. She recently released her second novel entitled The Marked, Extinction, which is a young adult science fiction thriller. So we discussed her foray into writing, how she comes up with the stories, develops characters, and manages to keep it as a hobby, not another thing on her to-do list. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. Dr. Teresa Fuller, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Brad. I'm excited to be here. Love your show. (laughs) Thanks so much. So first, we're going to be talking about creative writing. So tell us about your books. Well, I've now written two novels. I have the first one was a novel about a pandemic. I actually- Sorry, when did you you write that? (laughs) Okay, so when I actually wrote it was in 2007 is when I started to write it. It took me a couple years to write it. And the reason I wrote it was because I had read about this statistic that flu pandemics happen about every 40 years. And so now this is 2007. And at the time, the previous flu pandemic was in 1967. So I thought this is really interesting that we're kind of due for a flu pandemic. And I was at that point, I'd been looking for a plot. I'd been wanting to write a novel. And so that seemed like the perfect thing. So I actually wrote this book about a bird flu pandemic, H5N1, that was in the news at the time. And interestingly enough, it's popped back up in the news recently. But I, so the idea was this flu pandemic in Washington, D.C., took place in Washington, D.C., And that was my first novel. And so I tried to do the traditional thing of querying. I was sending out query letters to literary agents and trying to get some interest. And I got a little feedback, but I didn't get anybody who actually wanted to represent the book. And so what happened after that, I was thinking about how am I going to get this book published? And in 2009, of course, we got the H1N1 swine flu pandemic. And so at that time, I said, this is really a dead book because who's going to be interested? We just had a flu pandemic. It's kind of, you know, it's old news. 
So I, See, put I would think this... like that would be the time to go to the publishers, right? Like we're in the middle of the of a flu pandemic. This is about a flu. Get it out there. Get it out there. But no, they weren't having it. Well, when I was trying to shop it to the literary agents, it was before that hit. And then I kind of let it go. And then when 2009 hit, I had this completed book. You know, I just didn't think it would go because it was like, well, the swine flu pandemic fortunately was mild anyway. So it was like, who's going to really be interested? So I didn't try to push it until we actually got a pandemic. When the coronavirus pandemic hit, I said, oh, by then I knew about self-publishing and all of this stuff. So I just went ahead and self-published the book in 2020 at the time of the flu of the coronavirus pandemic. And I had already pretty much, I was far into my second novel, which I published last year. Did you find that there was an appetite for reading about pandemics while we were in a pandemic, are in a pandemic? Yeah, surprisingly enough, you know what ended up happening, I'll tell you what really made me go ahead and push the book was at the time when coronavirus first came out, there was a big interest in all of the old kind of pandemic, some of the old movies, some of the old books, and then there were new books coming out about pandemics at the time, novels. And so clearly there was an appetite. So I went ahead and um, published it because everybody was talking about it. So I didn't get any major press for it because I did self-publish it and I self-marketed it. So I didn't have a lot of experience, but it was enough to really get some people definitely found it. They wrote reviews. So it was, it definitely uh, was a good time. And what was the second book about? So the second book is completely different. It was a YA sci-fi thriller. I had wanted to write a YA book because I love YA, young adult. I just love those kinds of books. I love The Hunger Games, Divergent, The Hidden. I So many books in YA that even as a 51-year-old woman, <laughs> I still read those, you know, that genre of books. So this one was a YA about a kid who basically finds out, he grows up, he has this peculiar birthmark, it's called the marked. He has a peculiar birthmark that he didn't really think much of. And over a series of coincidental events, he discovers that this mark actually is a result of some genetic engineering. When you're reading the book, all of this comes out over time. I'm giving away some of it, but what I really wanted to do was explore that idea of genetic engineering. So that's what the second book is about. So you've been at this for 15 years, right? 2007 or longer, because I'm sure you were dabbling with the idea for a while and taking notes and things. So at what point did you say, you know what, I'm getting into creative writing? How did you actually start? The process i think and it's funny when you say that i've been at this for 15 years but i only have two books to show for <laughs> so i've been in and out of it but i'm really hold on hold on, hold on hold on hold on hold on <laughs> hold on and this is i think where physicians we get ourselves into trouble because you are a physician right like it's not like you're a full-time author and yet you've published two books that's an incredible accomplishment most of us we put our heads down we see our patients we go to we go to work we come home you know see our family go to sleep do the same thing again with the only thing to show for it is patient care which is enough enough it's enough right right and yet you on top of 
all of your other accomplishments and accolades, you also have published two books. Okay, let's reframe. Okay. I like I like the way you put that. That's good. But when you asked me how I got into it, I think I would say that what really made me want to get into it is that because I loved books for so long, always was a big reader. I know it was sometime during my teen years that I really got into medical thrillers like Robin Cook. I was a big you know, fan of Robin Cook, still am, big fan of Michael Crichton. And I remember at some point, can't tell you what book it was, but I remember at some point reading, finishing a novel, one of those, and saying, I'm not reading another one until I write one. I just felt inspired to write a novel. And that's what kind of got the gears going. And that's when I started thinking about what would I want to write about. So every thousand mile journey starts with one first step. So what was your first step? I think once I had the idea, like I said, about that flu novel, then I think I did a couple of things at the same time. One was I just kind of threw myself into it. I started thinking through the book and started writing, but I also started reading about that process of writing. And so one of the first books I read that I can remember was Stephen King's book on writing called On Writing. And I liked his approach, which was he described how he would come up with ideas and how he would go through the process of writing. So I think I was doing two things at the same time. I was actually writing the story, but I was also learning about that writing process. So what, tell us about some of your processes that you've, you've developed, like which ones you learned from Stephen King and then developed on your own. We're, we're creatures of habit. So what are your writing? I would say when I first started, I really didn't have a process because I was just winging it as I was learning how to do it. So at first I was just kind of stealing moments. When I had an hour here, when I had an hour there, I would write and I would write parts of the book. And I, I think the reason I did it that way is because when I first started writing, when I wrote my first novel, I really thought it was a bucket list thing. I said, I want to write a book. And I thought I'm going to write this novel and that's going to be the end of it. I'm going to be, I'm going to write it and be happy that I wrote it. And that'll be that. It'll be and out of your system. I, yeah. I really thought that's what I was going for, but I really got into it enjoyed the process, started getting more ideas. And so I have developed a process now because after really sometime during the writing of my second book, I actually came up with something of a schedule. And what I do now is I just dedicate three days a week. I have certain hours during those three days that I dedicate to writing. It adds up to about six or seven hours a, a week which isn't a lot, but it does add up. And so my process is to set aside that time. Wait, 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 six or seven, again, the, the, the whole physician, did you say six or seven hours a week? Uh-huh. That's a lot. That's a lot. How is yeah. that not a lot? That sounds, that sounds like a lot. I but feel like it's a good amount. I mean, well, well, when you listen to people who write, they always talk about, you know, this 20 hours a week, even um, people who have full-time jobs, a lot of times they'll talk about this extra 15 or 20 hours a week that they find. We can't find that, but I have found a good six that I dedicate to it. 
All right. And so what are, were some of your mistakes and missteps along the way that if you were doing it all over again, you would try to avoid? Right. Because some of our mistakes and missteps are learning experiences and you have to do them. But some of the things that you would definitely avoid in the past if you were doing this all over. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake was um, not really knowing the process. And the first time I just dove into it, I was modeling, I think I was modeling after Michael Crichton, because if you look at Michael Crichton's books, which I would love to write a book like that. But if you look at his books, they're kind of plot based and he has, you know, different characters and they're, it, it kind of goes from one scene to another. I was basing it kind of on that idea, but what I didn't understand was that you can't have too many characters. So when I was kind of looking at- I think the George R.R. I- R. Martin would disagree with that. If Is that okay? Story of Ice and I Fire. never yeah, read- the whole, it, it's, it's, And I've never it's read- It's how many characters, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's good. I've never read Game of Thrones, but yeah, I think when I was trying to kind of get this idea of a plot-based novel, I put way too many characters into it. And again, you know, just an experience. And so that was one of the things. I think if I had backed up and read a little, studied a little bit more about the process, then I would have understood a little bit more about how, for example, a Michael Crichton book is structured. It was more like, I've read a bunch of them, so I'm going to try to get that. I'm going to try to use that as my model. But um, See one, do one, teach one, right? Exactly. I read a book, so now I can write a book. No, but I think that's an excellent point, <laughs> yep. keeping it tight with the characters, because I think also as physicians, we could end up biting off more than we could chew because we get too ambitious. Like we can write an amazing, it's going to have all these intricacies and all these characters. But to your point, keep it simple, right? If you have too many characters, it's going to get too complicated. It's going to get too long. You might end up abandoning it and abandoning it. And that's actually exactly what happened to George R. R. Martin. He's been writing the same series each of which is like a five or 700 page tome. There are seven in the series already. He's got three more because he's got too many characters, too many characters, too many loose ends to tie up. If you're trying to get this in one, one go, one book, a few fleshed out characters. So actually, how do you develop your characters? Are they inspired by colleagues? Are they inspired by patients? Where do you go with your character development? I think with the first book, a lot of it was inspired by colleagues. There were definitely some characters in there that I was modeling after doctors that I worked with. And then in my second book, what I did instead though, was rather than write a plot-based novel, I wrote a character-based novel. And I did that partially because I learned from Stephen King talks about following your character and actually letting the character lead the story. And as you really know who your character is, it tells you where to go next, because you'll say, what would, in my case, the, the main character is Drew. What would he do next? What would he do in this situation? How would this, what would he think of this? And it really helped me to drive the, the story. But in this book, he's partially, he's partially inspired by my younger son, because he's this kid who's super smart, but really bored about by school and bored by a whole lot of things. And I I think that inspiration came because when my younger son was in school, 
every time he would come home from school, I would say, how was school? And he would say, boring. And so it made me think about, what if you had this super intelligent kid who was just really bored? Um, what, what kind of situation could he get into? What would that intelligence lead him to? And that's where a little bit of the inspiration for that, from, for that character. And there are a lot of things about the character that aren't like my younger son, like he's a troublemaker. So I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to ind indicate that my younger son's a troublemaker. <laughs> you mentioned plot-based books and character-based books. W what do you mean by that? So there's a school of thought that your books should really be based on the central character that you can relate, that the audience or the reader can relate to and empathize with and really get into the character. And that's what makes the story much more interesting. But when it's plot-based, which a lot of authors say you really shouldn't do that, plot-based is this is the what the story is about this is the plot and the characters just don't get developed as well and so i feel like in my first book i was really into the plot of a pandemic what's going to happen in a pandemic you run into we're going to run into problems of supplies we're going to run into problems of overwhelming deaths we're going to run into this is how congress is responding this is how the hospital is responding and so it was more about the plot and the characters just didn't get developed as well. Have you encountered writer's block yet? I certainly, yeah. I've, I would say that maybe why it took a while to, to write the second book, for example, because I would have ideas of where it was going, but then I would get stuck. So I would have writer's block. And what I would do most of the time, if I have writer's block, I'll just, I'll just put it away do something else I'll either read or I might just write down some ideas and just let it go for a while. So take a break, go for a walk. Exactly. If, you, if you're trying to remember something and if you force it, you can't remember it. But if you take a little break, suddenly you're doing the dishes or you're taking a shower and it comes to you or you just look it up on IMDB, which is what I usually do. <laughs> right. Okay, so publish or perish. You're already putting pressure on yourself to publish more. You're an accomplished physician, but I've only written two books, right? So my question is, how do you keep this an invigorating hobby rather than, you can, I can, You said you're already push, putting pressure on yourself. So how do you keep it an invigorating hobby rather than just something else on your to-do list? I think the way I do that is I don't, write all the time. Part of my process that, as I said, I'm still developing it, but part of my process is that I only write for three months on, I'll take three months on, work on the writing, and then I'll take time off. And I think that works for me because it allows me to really look forward to it. I'm thinking about it, preparing for it but then once i get into it i really can can get into it have momentum get excited about it and then i take a break so my my plan for last year and for this year it worked partially last year but this year i'm trying to be even more strategic with it is that i take those three months and then 
try to hopefully create a, a good draft in three months. But even if not, just take a month off or a couple months of not thinking about it. And because of course, like you said, we're busy. And if I try to stay at that, I think it would become work as opposed to a hobby. That is great advice that I think I'm going to take with this podcast. So I'm out. I will see you guys in 2023. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just kidding. Any parting words for our physician audience on either why they should do it, why they should do creative writing or how they should do it? Yeah. I think a lot of physicians are naturally creative writers because it, there's, there's even a, uh, we make up stuff in our notes. <laughs> That's a good one. We're, yes, we're used to telling stories. I always say, one thing I don't like about electronic health records is that I feel like it takes away the storytelling aspect of notes. I remember that whole, I remember what it used to be like to write notes. And you know how you would say, this is a 22 year old African-American female with a history of this and blah, and you go through their history and you're weaving a whole story and you go through. I think we're naturally, we used to be naturally trained to tell stories. The electronic health record takes a lot of that away. And that's something that I think is regrettable, but we're used to putting a lot of information together. And, and so I think a lot of doctors have that in them wanting to be storytellers. Also, the reason I think that is because there's a whole conference about creative writing for physicians. I haven't yet made it to that conference. I remember planning to go right before the pandemic hit, the year or two before the pandemic hit. And so there's a lot of interest. I think the biggest problem, of course, is time, lack of time. But I would say even if you can just get one or two hours a week, just take that time and do it because you probably will enjoy it. And over a year, you can, even doing just a couple hours a week, you'll have something of substance. I think physicians, a lot of physicians probably would enjoy writing creatively. Yeah, it seems like a great escape, but rather than a passive one where you're just zoning out and watching TV, it's an active one where it's going to be a whole lot more fulfilling. You know, nobody feels good after watching three hours of of television and escaping like they just, oh, vegetable. But, but if you spent the same amount of time doing creative writing, that sounds invigorating. Yes, I think so. I feel invigorated. It's, once Once you have something that you can look back and read what you've written, it's very rewarding. Fantastic advice. So where can people find you online? I have, I'm Dr. Teresa Fuller on Facebook and on, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Dr. Teresa Fuller. No H in Teresa. No H. That's right. Dr. Teresa Fuller, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.